Welcome to the next episode of the Chief Commercial Officer podcast series on the Venari podcast. My name is Joe Knight and I lead the commercial function within the life sciences and healthcare practice here at Venari Partners. Today I'm joined by Everett Crossland, Chief Commercial Officer at Cognito Therapeutics. This isn't Everett's first CCO gig, he was previously CCO at Applied VR and has a strong pricing and access background across both large and small organisations. In the podcast today, we're talking about building high-performing commercial teams, becoming a CCO from an access perspective, and commercial trends in the coming years. Hi, Everett. Welcome to the Venari podcast. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. So you're currently Chief Commercial Officer at Cognito Therapeutics. Tell us about the company and how you got there. We are a late-stage, phase three uh, company focused in the Alzheimer's space. In particular, we're a medical device company that uh, leverages uh, years, if not decades, of uh, science, neuroscience coming out of MIT, and um, to affect, to potentially affect positive changes in Alzheimer's and neurodegenerative diseases more generally. I came into uh, Cognito a couple of years ago, um, right as the company was really embarking on this later stage uh in preparation for the market and and uh, standing up the phase three study there's often a question of when you bring in your commercial team and commercial leadership um our product in this space is um really offers an opportunity to be creative and advance um, a commercial model that leverages the full attributes of the device uh, against a disease that has long been a challenge for um, for multiple life sciences companies, and so I came in a bit early, but it's um, I think it's something that will really pay off as we're building what I hope will be proven as a, a best in class commercial model. So you come to the chief commercial officer role with more of a market access background uh, mm-hmm. than traditional perhaps sales and marketing backgrounds. Of course, you have strong capabilities there too. But how does that access and government experience influence your strategy as chief commercial officer? As uh, someone who came up in market access, I think is a real attribute in this world where the where payers really are continuing to grow in their influence as gatekeepers. I think for a long, long time they they they've been gatekeepers, but um, it's been interesting to see as as payers have been able to really deny full fully deny coverage for uh products and now in kind of this new world where payers uh have the option and are able to act as those as that gatekeeper we have to be creative in how we work with them we have to be creative in how we engage with them early and and ultimately try to get to a place where we're partnering with them at the same time we know that the role of physicians and caregivers and patients is equally important. And it's a matter of kind of knitting those strategies together so that one is pushing and pulling on the other in a cohesive way. So you were saying earlier about how you're building a commercial team ahead of launch for Cognito Therapeutics. You've done that before uh, at previous employers as well. Getting that timing right is is obviously very important. It's something that we spend a lot of time helping our, our clients with. How do you think about building that organization? When is the timing right? And, and how do you go about putting in place the essential parts? Often that kind of rule of thumb that seems to approximate 
uh, what what works is anywhere between 40, 24 and 36 months pre-launch. I think that in small organizations, it's more difficult to make that judgment call. Um, and it's more bespoke to the organization, to the product, uh, to the financial state of the organization and to the market that you're launching into. A market that is changing very rapidly, this is like Cognito's market, Alzheimer's in particular, that market is changing probably more quickly than any market I've I've ever launched into. And what's driving that is there, there are new market entrants, There's there are new diagnostics coming on, um, there are digital components being injected into the marketplace and clinical studies, et cetera. And that's true for a lot of a lot of disease states and a lot of conditions. Uh, it seems especially true for the neurodegenerative space right now. And so that often, those types of factors, the complexity can uh, can really inform when you want to bring someone on or, or a team on. Just thinking about that recent case study with Cognito, is there any lessons that you've learned along the way? Is there anything you'd do differently next time? Oh, uh, yeah. Hindsight, right? It's, you always have pretty clear vision. Um, I think that probably the 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 best approach really is is nailing down that area of focus early, um, having the discipline to stick with it. That discipline is often saying no to things that really look like they could be pivotal to your company and, uh, and saying no to opportunities that maybe the company's never been presented with previously um, because it allows you to continue to allocate the resources and yeah. so when these things come in and you, you have that opportunity to react, it's not a matter of saying no to everything, but it's a matter of saying no to nearly everything. At Cognito, we've gotten really good at focus faster than uh, than, than I've seen at other companies, but it's it's always a challenge and it's always something that you have to navigate with uh, with as much data, but um, but also understand that you're navigating with limited data at the same time. So following that, I'd like to talk maybe a little bit more about your role as, as Chief Commercial Officer. How do you approach leadership? Uh, you clearly have responsibility for making a high-performing commercial team, but how do you go about ensuring that that is a reality and then inspiring your team to actually achieve great things? In a pre-revenue, uh, kind of pre-commercialization phase, you're really identifying, that starts with identifying people who are, in, are a good stage fit. You need the people who uh, are energized, fulfilled by the opportunity to build a strategy, test the strategy. It's the people who really have been launching those products and then either following it into the market or going to the next asset and launching another one. In this stage, it's a lot like the launch stage, which is a lot of hyperbolic ups and downs. Hmm. You know, yeah. a lot of news that, uh, means that what you've built changes dramatically. And so being comfortable with that change, um, embracing it, finding the opportunity in the new information, and then keep them motivated with the longer term vision. And so I think, you know, to boil it down, I really like to, to operate with directness and transparency and authenticity, but really focus on, you know, pulling pulling that motivation out from the day to day to focus on the big vision and what we're trying to accomplish and understanding that that vision is going to adjust over time. Finally, I'd like to ask you to look towards the future. 
what trends in commercialization strategy from both big pharma and smaller biotechs do you think we'll see more of this year and way into the future? I get excited about um, the potential, you know, for kind of innovative partnerships that carry forward into into commercialization. Those can be in innovative partnerships with large provider networks and healthcare delivery systems. They can be uh, innovative partnerships with payers as well. That doesn't necessarily need to be a value-based arrangement. If you engage early enough, you can build a service and a solution. I think the solution that I, I really get excited about is, is that those are forcing uh, the various stakeholders together. Like gene therapies, you know, multi-million dollar gene therapies uh, just won't won't scale in a fee-for-service world. Um, however, that what that doesn't mean that they won't succeed. They provide extraordinary value. Those two together, that the challenge of not being able to scale in a fee-for-service world, while at the same time providing extraordinary value, is a forcing function. And I'm really, really excited about what's going to come out on the other end of that forcing function. I I think it's these really kind of early stage partnerships where we build together versus kind of sequentially. Thanks so much for joining the Venari podcast. Great to have had you on. Likewise, I really, really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Everett.